This episode of The Mountain Mysteries is brought to you by Little Diva's Balloon Decorating. Make your next event a memory. Call Little Divas now at 606-791-5616. You know, for over 11 years, Little Divas Balloon Decorating has turned events into experiences. And celebrations have been turned into parties. Let Little Divas worry about making your event the best that it can be while you relax and enjoy it. Any event you can imagine, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, family reunions, graduations, celebrations of life, any event that you can possibly imagine, Little Divas can bring it to life. They specialize in balloon sculptures, cake table archways, and doorway arches. Get a hold of Little Divas right now and make your celebration, reunion, or business function one that people will never forget. Call 606-791-5616. That's 606-791-5616. Or visit them on Facebook.com forward slash Little Diva Party Decorations and see for yourself. Of course, delivery is always available for a slight additional charge. Little Divas, it's where memories begin. A production of Sloan Studios. The following may contain strong language and adult situations with depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Dave Newsom, and I'm listening to these mountain mysteries. It's enough to chill your blood on July's hottest day. What happened there is inhumane. It's torturous to think about, let alone live. Once called the Weston State Hospital in historic Weston, West Virginia. It later adopted a moniker that would carry through the remainder of its days to present. And even now the name carries a toll with it. It's a price that has to be paid just to say its name alone. That price is an unrest in your soul. Something that simply doesn't sit well with most people who know its history, its legacy or people who know its story, as you will. Just keep listening. Some say it's the most active haunted spot they've ever seen. Considering what went on behind the walls there, and all the people that lived a tormented, nightmarish, agonizing life, many of them never coming out breathing again. It's easy to understand why it would be haunted, and how this place could be considered a gateway directly to hell. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is episode 56, An Open Gate, the Mountain Mystery of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. 
all my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. That look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd. But they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries. And now your host, Chris Sloan. There it sits, deep in the heart of mountainous West Virginia, resting on what you could call an epic landscape. The building is huge and wouldn't be out of place in a Batman film as Bruce Wayne's mansion. The thing is nearly a quarter of a mile long. It has a huge steeple right in the center that's white with a clock as its centerpiece mansion or maybe an expensive school no it's not either one of those and it's not abandoned either the trans-allegheny lunatic asylum certainly had lofty expectations in the beginning workings of the institution it was built to be a place of hope a place where mental illness wasn't something that should be considered as a taboo subject to be treated in dimly lit back rooms with grime-filled hallways and windows that guarded the light like a soldier that would not allow passage. It was commissioned in the early 1850s and marked hopeful changes for those who struggled with psychological illnesses. The intentions were noble and good, but you know what they say about the road to hell. It's paved with good intentions. This place may very well be a poster child for that very statement. Thomas Story Kirkbride was a doctor and a staunch advocate for the mentally ill, and in time he would go on to found what is known today as the American Psychiatric Association. He labored endlessly to try and help patients achieve a better quality of life. Kirkbride built on the basis established by famous reformer Dorothy Dix, who sought to enlighten people about the misconceptions concerning mental illness, namely that it was a shadowy, irreversible condition best treated in darkness, with force and physical restraint. Well, she was definitely ahead of her time, even though a lot of other people of her time scoffed at her and her notions. Shaky as the science behind some of Kirkbride's medical ideas were, it unquestionably led to more compassionate and all-around more effective plans of treatment for the residents of his asylums than any other practice of the time. He emphasized the importance of light and fresh air, suggesting that asylums be built as long hallways with 12-foot ceilings, a lot of windows, and ventilation that allowed for cross breezes. He also put emphasis on freedom. Mental patients, he felt, should be allowed to roam around as much as possible and find stimulation for their minds. They would behave better, not worse, if given more control over their own lives. Or so the theory went in his mind. His ideas inspired the construction of 73 Kirkbride hospitals across the country 
in the second half of the 19th century, including the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. When it opened its doors in 1863, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane, was a model of Thomas Kirkbride's ideals. It could house 250 patients, each with their own comfortable room. Skilled stonemasons had been brought in from Germany and Ireland to contribute to the architecture that featured wide-open windows, giving patients access to natural light and fresh air. The grounds were magnificent and sustainable, including a working farm, dairy, waterworks, gas well, and complete with a cemetery. It was as architect Richard Snowden Andrews had intended it to be, a self-sufficient, state-of-the-art facility designed to make patients feel at home, well cared for, and restored. Then, in 1881, disaster struck. Due to an increase in mental health diagnoses and the shame surrounding the disease, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum found its tranquil facilities overrun, housing almost 500 more patients than they ever had imagined and were ever equipped for. The hospital couldn't keep up. Conditions began to decline dramatically. Patients were crammed together, with sometimes four or five people to a room that was only intended for one. The farm and dairy on the compound, that was originally designed to provide for 300 people, were simply not able to meet the increased demand that came with this overcrowding. Patients began to suffer from malnutrition, and that only aggravated mental health issues. By 1938, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was six times over its own capacity. The patients inside were running wild, and orderlies, outnumbered sometimes 10, 15 to 1, struggled just to regain control. At its peak in the 1950s, the hospital was holding 2,600 patients. That's more than 10 times the number it was intended to house. Patients were crammed together with four, maybe five, or even six people in one room. That was meant to fit one person. In 1938, the asylum was over six times its capacity. Patients began to take advantage of the situation and were completely out of control. Nurses, doctors, orderlies, no one could keep them within rain. Food supplies were running dangerously low, and the hospital even started to use hallways for patient rooms. The overcrowding of the asylum was caused by more than just not enough space. While plenty of the patients actually did suffer from some form of mental illness, a lot of those people admitted were for medical reasons, things like asthma, tuberculosis, in some cases, even rabies. Even stranger others were wives who were insubordinate to their husbands. Plus, you also had indigestion and, believe it or not, political excitement. Now, if you were to stop and think about this for just a second, most people would have been admitted at some point in their lives that we know today. Who hasn't fought with a spouse, had a stomachache, or been upset with the world's political climate? Well, that's practically every single one of us. Well... Let's step ahead just a bit. 
Some people wanted to expose what they were told were horrible circumstances within the walls of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. So, the powers that be at the Charleston Gazette attempted to send a crew in to investigate the inner workings of the structure and the facility. What they found... It was nothing less than shocking. Patients were sleeping on the floor and freezing in rooms due to a lack of furniture and heat. The overcrowding had resulted in an overworked staff and a decreased emphasis on sanitation. At one time, the bright, clear windows were now covered with grime, darkening and further chilling the rooms. The wallpaper was peeling away from decay, and where it had not disintegrated on its own in the room, well, the patients had torn that off in a panic. It was almost as if hell itself had found a new place to call home. Where still were the patients themselves, those whom the orderlies deemed unable to be controlled. They had to be locked in cages, in open spaces in view of everyone, in an attempt to make more bedrooms available for less worrisome inhabitants. Well, that seems to have become about more money to some of the administrators and staff than helping the mentally ill. Well, you see, each patient resulted in a certain amount of money. Now, that's purely conjecture on my part, but it would seem to fit. The asylum had also become a training ground for experimental lobotomies. Walter Freeman, the famous surgeon and lobotomy advocate, opened up shop inside the facility walls. In the course of this guy's lifetime, he performed some 4,000 lobotomies, leaving sometimes perfectly healthy patients with lasting physical and cognitive damage. He would take a small, pointed rod that looked remarkably like an ice pick, and using a small hammer, tap it into the patient's eye socket. At that point, he would sever the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex, resulting, as you can imagine, in a number of deaths. By the time the asylum closed, only one part of its grounds had been expanded to accommodate the new demand. The graveyard. Well, the expose published by the Gazette spurred a movement to get that place shut down yesterday. But it wasn't until 1994, after more than 100 years of squalor, that the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum closed its doors forever. Now, the once beautifully ornate building, intended for healing, but destined for destruction, sits alone on the grounds as if the patients simply vanished into thin air. No, but those rooms are still filled with medical equipment and decrepit furniture. Even some wheelchairs sit in the hallways, and that's not all. Oh, no. Since 2007, tours have been made available for those who wish to see the asylum firsthand. Now, as you can imagine, would-be ghost hunters from all over the world have traversed here. The building's most frequent visitors say they can feel the presence of the hundreds of people who perished in shocking conditions, but they offer two types of tours. One is a ghost tour. The other one is an historic tour. Neither way you go, you're likely to have experiences. We'll have more details on that right after this when we return on the Mountain Mysteries. 
You know, for over 11 years, Little Diva's balloon decorating has turned events into experiences, and celebrations have been turned into parties. Let Little Divas worry about making your event the best that it can be while you relax and enjoy it. Any event you can imagine, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, family reunions, graduations, celebrations of life, any event that you can possibly imagine, Little Divas can bring it to life. They specialize in balloon sculptures, cake table archways, and doorway arches. Get a hold of Little Divas right now and make your celebration, reunion, or business function one that people will never forget. Call 606-791-5616. That's 606-791-5616. Or visit them on Facebook.com forward slash Little Diva Party Decorations and see for yourself. Of course, delivery is always available for a slight additional charge. Little Divas, it's where memories begin. Support the Mountain Mysteries on Patreon and get early access to all episodes. With three tiers, it's easy to choose what you want. Five and ten dollar tiers get you early access, plus free gear, behind the scenes bonus content and more. Plus access to interviews that would have wound up on the cutting room floor. Find out links on www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com and on facebook.com forward slash the mountain mysteries. Support the Mountain Mysteries and stay mysterious. 1.9 billion acres in the North American continent, and 24% of them are mountainous. The number of mysteries is incalculable. Mysterious deaths, the missing, hauntings. The Mountain Mysteries podcast is now available for free. Learn more about cases like the mysterious deaths of April Pennington, Meryl Baldridge. Hear from the families affected and the aftermath. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and where podcasts are found. Follow us on Facebook at The Mountain Mysteries. Stay mysterious. You're listening to The Mountain Mysteries. Here's Chris Sloan. So we went on the paranormal tour, and we had a lot of activity while we were in there. We both did. I think more than anybody else on our tour. I actually had my hair pulled by a ghost and then got to do the dowsing rods and kind of talk to it. It was really cool. Yeah. It was a lot of activity. Yeah. You was... kind of had one following you around a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. So you had John and Charlie, I think, were their names. Yes, um, John and Charlie. There's yeah. a bathroom on one of the floors that they hang out in. And as soon as we came in, they pulled her hair. Mm-hmm. And he said they usually pick somebody who they want to talk to when they come in. Mm-hmm. So she got the dowsing <laughs> rods, and we got asked them questions, and they were, like, hanging out with her. And it was really cool. Yeah. And then we were on the fourth floor, on the top floor. Yeah. There's a room all the way in the back corner where a ghost named Jimmy, Jimmy John, Jimmy John stayed there and he tried to escape out the window and fell to his death. And there's a chair in a closet in there that's his chair and they let us sit in the room. And as soon as we went in, I felt like I needed to talk to him. And uh, I went and I sat in there and then we went downstairs a level and something was following me. So I had uh, the... E, one of the, the EMF, EMF sort of detectors. Yeah, detectors. I was carrying it because he just, the tour guide gave it to a couple of us to carry around and something was following me and as soon as we got up a camera to try and take a picture of the area, uh, it went away and it would not, it didn't want to take picture taken. The yeah. camera lost focus. It was really cool. They were asked the question if they were scratched at any point, especially three scratches, which is supposed to indicate a demonic presence. No, no. we heard a lot of stories about the scratches, but none of us got Mm-hmm. I think because it's the daytime. I think they get it a lot more at night. Yeah. Um, but we heard a lot of stories. Well, about and the it. ghost that I 
that was following me around is one of the ones that's known to scratch people, but yeah. he was in a good mood today, so yeah. we didn't. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, he seems to be pretty kind to us yeah. today, so. One of the ghosts that are supposedly haunting Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is the spirit of a child named Lily who was born there and, sadly, died there as well. She's reportedly on the first floor near her room that she occupied while she was alive. These tour goers were asked if they had encountered her spirit. We actually didn't get to go into Lily's actual room. Because that's um, it's part of the historic tour. Yeah. The area that that's in is part of the historic tour. But uh, he did tell us that she kind of has free reign of the hospital, so she kind of goes wherever she wants. Mm-hmm. And um, our tour guide... Scott? Yes, Scott. Um, showed us a picture that he had taken on his phone where she was pretty solid and you could see her in her white dress. So yeah. we got to see a picture of Lily, yeah. but we didn't get to really hang out with her too much today. And we went to Emily's room. And she's also known to, to haunt a good bit. She's a, another little girl in there. She's got a lot of toys in her room. And he told us that she doesn't really like you touching or playing with her toys. So hint from you to me, don't move her toys. She doesn't <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's, yeah. If you're scared of ghosts, the people here are really kind. They mm. suffered a lot. And as long as you're kind to them, they're really kind here uh if you don't believe in ghosts then you'll just have a fun time (laughs) and the history is really interesting and we haven't been on any of the other themed tours besides the paranormal one but i've heard they're really great too and would definitely come back and do them so yeah absolutely come and if for nothing else it's beautiful yeah according to the trans allegheny lunatic asylum official website There's about eight residents or spirits living or not living, we'll say residing, at the asylum. The asylum was purchased about a decade ago by the family of Rebecca Jordan. And she says it didn't take long before the asylum's spectral patients paid a visit to her. While giving a tour of the facility, she felt someone grab her shoulder and squeeze. Understanding spirits and what they went through makes it a lot easier for them to communicate, but... It also creates a sense of empathy. These spirits are people who once had full lives, just as anyone else. They're no different. There are a few choice locations throughout the asylum that are said to have maybe a little more activity. Well, it's no surprise with such torture and neglect that the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum's dark history can't help but shine through like some kind of dark sunbeam. In a room toward the back end of one wing, a patient was murdered by two others. Now, they attempted to hang him, but when that failed, they placed his head under a bed frame and jumped on it until the bed frame touched the floor. Other patients were also murdered in cold blood by their peers as overcrowding, mental illness, and poor care became a lethal combination for aggression. The room is known for its cold spots and quiet cries which is said to be Dean, the man who was murdered in his room. Asylum staff were empowered to send their patients into isolation if they were deemed to be uncontrollable. Now, of course, this was up to the direction of staff that was already irritated and overworked, so it was just a lot easier to send them off. But isolation was so terrible that patients would do just about anything to get out of it. One story in particular is especially surprising. A former boxer who suffered head injuries during his career that left him violent and emotionless attempted to beat down the metal door that isolated him. He ended up ripping the door off its hinges, leaving visible dents in the steel. When he finally got the door off, he handed it to one of the nurses and calmly returned to his room. 
The rooms, used mostly for isolation, tend to have violent energies attached to them, with visitors reporting being pushed or scratched, as well as disembodied voices saying, Get me out of here. More than a few ghosts are known to the staff of the asylum, including Lily, a playful little friendly child spirit who's believed to have spent her entire life at the hospital. Back in the days of the asylum's operation, pregnant women who were admitted would often give birth at the hospital, their baby living there with them throughout their stay. Now, Lily is known for her laughter, as well as her interest in playing games with staff and visitors who pay attention to her. She's a very active part of the asylum community to this day. Other experiences include dark shadows, objects moving on their own, disembodied voices and cries, bangs on the wall, breaking glass, and that's just the start. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum operates today as featuring historic and ghostly tours, and it is a hotspot. Haunting stories combined with a foreboding look of the structure create quite a contrast that this asylum is famous for. Now, the facility itself was created with good intentions. It was meant to help people who needed care. Soon, though, it became abused and neglected, and the people it was supposed to help, well, they were mistreated. After closing its doors for good in 1994, they reopened to educate and tell the stories of the patients who lived their life behind these walls. If you do choose to visit the asylum, don't be surprised if you feel a strange chill or a touch during your tour. Some of the experiences that you're more than likely to have in the asylum includes meeting Lily, who, like we said, we believe was born at the asylum, and she's still found to be playing in one of the rooms. She's reportedly found near her room, which is located on the first floor. Jesse, who was a man who died in the bathtub from a heart attack. You could encounter various Civil War soldiers. A patient who was brutally murdered by his roommates. Jim James. Unknown as to exactly what happened to Jim, but he has been known to interact with hunters by turning on their flashlights with the incentive of a cigarette, of course. He'd turn them back off. Like we said, there's two tours offered there. Historical and ghostly. So, whether it's the ghostly or historical tour that you'll take, well, that's entirely up to you, but we're certain you'll get something out of it. Now, it's up to you to decide if Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is, in fact, haunted or not. If you'd like more information, check out their website at www.trans-alleghenylunaticasylum.com. That's also in the show notes of this episode. The skeptical deny all this, but everyone agrees the building serves as a reminder of a shameful past and an urgent call to do better in the future. Next week on the Mountain Mysteries, it's the Mountain Mystery story of Kelly Ann Bates. Well, there's nothing wrong with love. Until there is, if it was ever love to start with. The story of a 17-year-old girl who was murdered by her 49-year-old lover. Sacred Flames, Episode 57, next week on The Mountain Mysteries. I'm Chris Lung.
Follow The Mountain Mysteries on Facebook.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. On Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. And support us on Patreon. Links are on the homepage www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support The Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more. Production of Sloan Studios. Stay mysterious.